Welcome to the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your employees all the information they need to be successful at their jobs. Now, let's get started with the show. Dr. Jeremy Weiss here, host of the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your staff everything they need to be successful at their job. Past guests include, check out other episodes. Uh, we interviewed David Allen of Getting Things Done, Michael Gerber of The E-Myth, and many, many more. There's great guests, and I'll introduce you to today's great guest in a second. But before I do, this episode is brought to you by Sweet Process. Um, John, I don't know if you can relate to this, but if you've had team members ask you the same questions over and over, and it may be the 10th time you spent explaining something, well, there's a better way. There's a solution. Actually, Sweet Process is software that makes it drop dead easy to train and onboard new staff and save time with existing staff. And when I was talking with one of the founders, Owen, not only do universities, banks, hospitals, and software companies use them, but actually I discovered from talking to him that first responder government agencies use them in life or death situations to run their operations. So you can use Sweet Process to document all the repetitive tasks that eat up your precious time so you can focus on growing your team. There's a free 14-day trial. No credit card is required. Go to sweetprocess.com, sweet like candy, S-W-E-E-T process.com. I'm excited to introduce John Blessing, and he is the COO of Forensic Analytical Consulting Services. They have really you know, help healthcare, property management, universities, government, so many different industries. And if you look on their their page, they've helped so many really interesting clients, uh, John, you know, ones that I like some of them I've used personally, the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. I've been there. Amazing, amazing place. Uh, Sony Pictures, Whole Foods. I mean, the list goes on and on. So, John, thanks for joining me. Well, thanks. Thanks for being here, Jeremy. And let me just point out real quick, we are a client, we use Sweet Process in our hmm. in our business, and it's really streamlined our ability to set up SOPs as the company has grown. So That's awesome. Yeah. What do you like about it or what do you use it for? We use it for, we, we've documented all our standing operating procedures and it's, it, and we've met, we've rolled it out throughout the company and we, and what we have found is people cut down on a lot of confusion and questions and phone calls, like you mentioned. And probably the best thing about it is the search function. So if you have a question in a particular area, you start typing in the keywords and it pops up the process and you can you can attach video. So some people learn better visually. So we do a lot of YouTube type videos that people can watch the process. And That's it's great. really, really helped our business. That's amazing. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Um, so talk about what Forensic Analytical Consulting Services does. Yeah, we are we are an environmental consulting service. And basically, our, our mission statement is we create experts, both staff and clients, who protect the public health and the environment. And so over the years, we have developed as environmental challenges have developed. 35 years ago when we started, it was asbestos was the major environmental challenge. And then we got into uh, mold and lead. And now we've gotten involved with COVID, Legionella, air quality, safety, noise. So basically, any type of environmental challenge that you face as a company or an individual, we have experts that help clients deal with those. I could totally see why healthcare is a great sector for you. Can you walk me through a little bit? Healthcare company calls you. 
what are they, what's an example of something they're experiencing and then how do you help them? Yeah. Uh, they could be calling us for a variety of things. They may be calling us because they're remodeling one of the, one of the wings or floors on the hospital and they want to test for hazardous materials in the, in the walls or the ceilings or the floors, because a lot of times things like asbestos and, and other types of materials are fine as long as they're not disturbed. But if you disturb them, they get in the air, they can cause people to get sick and, or worse. So they'll reach out to us and ask us to survey and make sure there's no materials. Or if there are some materials, once we find out what's the safest way to get them abated or get them removed. Uh, another thing a hospital may be calling us for is we do a lot of fit testing. Uh, you know, during the COVID, during the COVID situation, a lot, of, a lot of the medical first responders had to wear respirators. Well, you have to be fit tested to make sure the respirator protects you. So we do a lot of that type of fit testing. We've gotten involved with hospitals and, and other healthcare facilities that may have uh, work being done that might cause dust or other types of air, air particles near uh, you know, emergency rooms or other critical care units uh, that they want us to monitor and survey so that if, you know, if the levels get up, they can shut down the work. So we get robbed with healthcare in a lot of different ways. John, do they call you, does the healthcare call you if they want to add something or do an addition or do construction, do they call you before or do they have people open it up while they're doing it and then have you test it? No, they for call it? us before. Before. Yeah, they call us before. We're involved with the planning. Um, so that as they're, a lot of times, for example, they may uh, demo part of the building to rebuild it. Believe it or not, in some cases with the requirements, it's cheaper for hospitals to demolish a building and build it from scratch rather than try to renovate it. So we get involved on both sides. Uh, we get involved in the demolition, making sure that the material's uh, safe before it's demolished and also monitoring noise or safety or, or air quality. And then on the new side, we get involved in helping make sure that uh, during the process, there's no mold development or air quality issues. And now the other big thing is they now have to have a water management plan which basically says they've got to test the water. They got to, they're going to know their control points. In other words, where the water's coming out in their building. They know they got to know their source of water. And then they got to be able to test on a regular basis to make sure that it's safe. So we help them with that as well. Yeah. You know, when we were talking before we hit record, we said, you know, you've had this breadth of experience and what you wish you would have known earlier as a COO. So someone's listening to this, maybe they're a young CEO, maybe they want to be a COO. What's advice that you would give to your earlier self? Yeah, I and mean, I'm probably not the first one that says this, and I certainly wouldn't be the last. I wish I had, I know I know then what I know now. And I Which wish is? I had known then what I've known now. Because, you know, experience is a great teacher. I think one of the things that benefited me, Jeremy, was that I was involved in a lot of different industries. Uh, financial services, technology, uh, managed services, a variety of different things. So when I got into environmental consulting, I wasn't narrowed by the paradigms of one particular industry. I was broad. And that's allowed me to apply techniques and thoughts to different situations without being narrow, too narrow. And so my, my advice to anybody starting out, new COOs, is get a get a breadth of experience. Don't be don't be limited by paradigms of a certain industry. And, and obviously, it doesn't mean you have to jump and take a different job in different industries. But read things like the Wall Street Journal and other things where you're listening to how other industries apply challenges that you're dealing with in your industry. 
and you may get a different perspective that can help you solve a problem. Are there certain resources you recommend? Like you just mentioned, you know, mentioned the Wall Street Journal or the other resources. You're like, you know, if I was talking to my 25 year old self, I probably would have read this every week or listened to this every week. Yeah, there's a lot of great things to listen to. Uh, TED Talks has been a good one for me. Um, the The Wall Street Journal. I do. I, I check LinkedIn on a regular basis. I've been involved in uh, chat groups and forums that I think have been helpful. Um, you know, we get we get involved in the uh, swag, uh, which is for consultants, um, periodicals. So I would look for things where you can get other people's experiences to be able to apply to yours. And nowadays, I didn't have this when I first started out, Jeremy, where you could type in, hey, I'm dealing with a situation. How would you handle it? And get some get some background. You didn't have that back when I started, but uh, I would use that as well. Yeah. Um, I remember listening to audio cassette tapes in my car. Um, so uh, are there any resources like books wise that you look at it, whether it's in leadership or business, any, any favorites throughout the years for you? Yeah. You know, um, I like Pat Lindsay, um, you know, and, and read some great books. If you're, if you're dealing with a culture issue within your business, one of the things that's been good for us is ideal team player. Uh, which is a great book, talks about three characteristics, hungry, humble, smart. And we've mm-hmm. adopted those as part of our interview process to make sure they're a good fit. I think one of the big things I've learned, Jeremy, when you're, when you're hiring teams and people, it's, it, their talent's important. Their culture fit may be more important. Mm-hmm. They've got to be able to fit within your culture. And so we spend a lot of time, we're very focused on our culture. We spend a lot of time vetting candidates to make sure they'd be a good fit for our culture. Yeah. I love that. Hungry, humble, smart. smart. Yeah. Yep. And then when people we come on, tool called, we use another tool called predictive index, the PI that you can, you can, you can develop uh, profiles for each position based on successful people in that position. We get a variety of people fill out the form for that, for that position. And we develop that predictive index. And what we have found is when we hire close to that predictive index, those people tend to be more successful than others. And so that that's made me a real believer. John, when you came on, because you you come on with a breadth of experience to you know the forensic analytical team, um, what did you start to change or do differently or improve when you you came on? Like they maybe brought from another industry or just from your experience? Yeah, one of the one of the big things is forensic analytical, it has a reputation as being the number one consulting firm in the environmental industry. They are the they are the consultants consultant. They're the ones, they're, they're, their technical knowledge is beyond reproach. They were a group of scientists that were managing the business. So where I, where, where I was able to contribute and add value was providing business fundamentals to the business. Things like um, establishing process for presenting proposals, focusing on the client's objectives when you went over a project, um, focusing on holding people accountable to targets business targets and then and then reinforcing those and then doing a lot of helping them with business development training and follow up. Uh, and then so so it's really about putting in business fundamentals and and business development sales process type fundamentals yeah. were the things that I was able to add. Yeah. I'm wondering, I love what you said there because a lot of times people start a business or a group of individuals start a business because they love the craft of doing the business, but it's a totally different skill set 
for leadership and running the business than actually doing the work in the business. If at what point do you recommend um, someone bring on a COO in their growth, or maybe just because they have seen this is not the skill set that I have, or some people don't even want to learn that skill set? Right. I think it depends on the business, Jeremy. I really do. If you, if like in the case of forensic, we had a group of scientists that ran the business and they ran the business and they were so good. The service they provided, the business right. came, the business came to right. them because they were so good. My background's in biochemistry. So scientists running business can be a scary thought in, in some, in some respects <laughs> and no disrespect there. It's just, yeah, no, yeah. No. It's, it's like you go to school for something and you didn't go to school for something else. So right. I'm totally with you. Yeah. And, and one of the things that, that, you know, a good business leader does is they set expectations, they manage through those expectations, and they give feedback to people, and they hold people accountable to achieving those targets. And that's difficult if you're not focused on that. So the other thing is, the, you know, one of the things that I, I've learned over the years, everybody's favorite radio station is what's in it for me, WIFM. And when you focus on what's in it for me for your clients, and your employees, and you manage everything back to what's in it for them, it's amazing the results you can get. Hmm. So one of the things we did fundamentally is everything we do ties back to our clients. So what it, what is the client's why for doing a project? And when we understand the client's why, we can develop the scope for the project to meet that client why. And one of the things Forensic had going, had going for it is its mission statement, create experts, both staff and client. We're focused on the client. And then our values, which were people first, integrity of the science, client relationships for life, were tied back to the client. And then our differentiators, right people, right perspective right now, was all focused on the client. So all I had to do was basically say, let's continue that into our business processes tied back to our client. So what I would tell you is whenever time you're thinking about a business process or a product or a service, what's in it for the client? And when you start with that, it's amazing how things can kind of fall into place. Yeah, that makes sense. Because then what spits on the other side, whether you're doing a proposal or work for them, they're, it's going to be tailored to exactly what they want and need. Um, right. You mentioned business targets. Can you give people a general sense of what you mean by that? What are some examples of business targets that you find important? whether it's in this business or, or any business that, you know, people should, okay, you should start looking at implementing these things. Sure. First of all, everybody works better when they have a plan. When you have something to strive for and you have goals, no matter what it is, could be weight loss, could be business law, business could be, Hey, I want to take three vacations this year. When you have a plan, you, you're more organized. You work to that plan kind of business targets that we focused on were financial, non-financial. The financial targets, you know, how much revenue, and our, we're, we're all consultants. Our, we're consulting business, so billability, utilization, revenue are key features, right? So we we set targets on revenue growth, which was based on amount of time you're billable and what your bill rate is. Then we standardized our pricing, so the bill rate piece kind of went away. So all the client, all our people have to focus on is how much billable work they do, right? And everything else falls into place. So rev, so then with the financial targets. Then the non-financial metrics we've put into place are things like holding one-to-ones with our staff. Because one of the things you find is what's in it for the client, what's in it for the employee 
is also as much important as what's in it for the client. So things like staff development, career growth, uh, diversity of projects they do. So we became, we set up a lot of non-financial metrics. And these were things like weekly one-to-ones. Everybody has a development plan, a three to five year plan, as well as a one-year plan, and then a quarterly plan tied to what you're trying to accomplish in your in your year. So everybody in our company has, has a plan. And then our 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 supervisors basically work with their teams to help them implement the plans. And so that's the non-financial side we track. So the financial side are the revenue, the net income, the the business metrics, but we also spend a lot of time on the non-financial metrics. Those are the kind of goals we set up. Yeah. I, I would love to hear any that surprised you from talking to staff and what's in it for them. I remember talking to some staff and it surprised me how often it came up with what you just mentioned is how the diversity piece, people like working on a diverse number of projects. And until you ask, you don't realize, oh, like that just didn't cross my mind necessarily. Um, what, what is something that you find is a common theme when you ask that with people? What's their kind of individual goals? And may, or maybe something that just jumped out at you that surprised you a little bit in the beginning. Now, maybe yeah. nothing surprises you. Yeah, what surprised me in the beginning was, I think you described it well, was, but it was really a cross-section. We had some of our consultants that were very happy focusing in asbestos, lead, and mold. They liked it. And what their goal was, they wanted to be the best expert in those areas. So they wanted to be, they wanted to be there. Okay. Then we had another group that wanted to be recognized in the industry as being an expert in a particular area could be water management, could be uh, industrial hygiene, could be whatever. Then we have a third group that said, hey, I want to become a certified industrial hygienist, and I want to be an expert in a variety of different fields. So what we've done as a business is basically given people career paths to be able to achieve whatever those are. So I think the thing that surprised me the most is the diversity within what people wanted to do. And then and then the, the reaction when we said, okay, we're going to develop a plan to help you achieve that target. One of the things I'm very proud of is in our staff today, we have 14 certified industrial hygienists, which is a CIH. And of the 14, over half of them were homegrown. And what I mean by that is they started out in a different level and achieved the certif- certified, uh, certified industrial hygiene recognition while working for FACTS. So mm-hmm. We helped them get there. And that was that's impressive. And we've got several people now that are on track to become CIHs. Yeah. So we like the fact we develop our own. That's amazing. Talk about a little bit about the format of the one-on-ones. Yeah. So we've been we've been spending a lot of time with that. We have as we've grown, we've created a, another layer of supervisors because in the old days we had an office. Each each office had what we called a local director who ran the office. That basically all the people reported to that local director. As we've grown over the years, we've had to put supervisors in, and now we're developing those supervisors. So we do a lot of training with them on how to do staff development, how to, how to manage your people. One-to-ones is a key point. So we do, we do a training on a periodic basis on holding effective one-to-ones. The key thing is to us is you have to be consistent with the one-to-one. It has to be open-ended with, a, with an agenda. So in other words, there's a, we, we have a straight format we follow but it allows for a lot of open-ended discussion. 
And it always ties back to where it, where are you in your progress related to your goals? And those goals are both financial and non-financial. Yeah. So we have a format that we follow. And then we use a tool. Uh, we use a tool called Dayforce out of Ceridian that we're just moving to. Uh, but in there, we capture all the one-to-ones. So we're tracking and we incent our, our supervisors and our, and our managers on the quality and number of one-to-ones that they hold. So we're tracking how many one-to-ones are done. Yeah. Thank, that's really valuable, John. I really appreciate you sharing this. I have one last question for you before I ask it. I want to point people towards forensicanalytical.com. You can check out their website. You could check out you know, the testimonials and client reviews. They have you know, the services, emergency, emergency response, and all the information there. They have a blog. Any other places, John, online we should point people towards uh, besides forensicanalytical.com? Is that for the what? Just to find out more about your company. Um, we're, we're involved with the American Industrial Hygiene Association, which is AIHA.com. We have a uh, program called uh, FIRM, which is Facts Incident Response Management, that is designed for property management firms. That basically, anytime you have to call in a restoration vendor, vendor to manage an unplanned incident like a water leak or a gas leak or something like that, we manage those vendors for you. So, you know, it's it's outsourcing the management of those. That's under uh, uh, factstrack.com, F-A-C-S-track.com. Um, and by all means, uh, you know, check us out in, um, you know, any other in periodical that's related to the industry. We're usually there. Great. I love it. Everyone check it out. Check out all the episodes of the podcast. Check out Sweet Process. Last question, John, is, you don't have to name companies, but... I'd love to hear, you probably have heard of some crazy things happening. Okay. Someone's calling you, I don't know, asbestos is spreading everywhere. I don't know, whatever the situation is, what, what's something that you uh, can chat about that you remember? Oh my God, like stuff hit the fan. Here's what happened. Um, or something was leaking. I don't know. What, what crazy story do you have for me in this, in this business? We have a lot of crazy stories, but the one that jumps to mind as you're describing this, we got a call from a uh, environmental insurance company. So they would insure environmental risks and they had bats in a house, in the walls of a house, and they were causing uh, pollution and, and smell and things like that. And we basically had to come up with a way to abate that smell and deal with the um, the bats. And how do you do that? I think I was the wackiest thing I ever saw. You know, I got to tell you, Jeremy, I'm not the scientist. I'm not the technical one. We did come out with a way to deal with it. And we basically managed the safe removal. We, we helped develop the scope. And then we, we, we tracked the, the environmental impact. And a company actually came in and removed them. But that was that was the craziest thing. Oh. I, I had ever seen. We got involved. We've gotten involved in a lot of uh, water situations where, you know, there was uh, concern about odors and things like that. And a lot of times these odors are caused by a variety of different things. And so a lot of, so a lot of the, the stuff is you got to do a lot of analysis to figure out where it's coming from. And they come from a variety of sources. Mm. You know, one of the dangers right now is a lot of buildings are sending idle because we're working from home. Water sits in pipes and it isn't used on a regular basis. A lot of bacteria can develop, which can cause a lot of problems. 
So one of the things that I would tell you that I'm I'm anticipating is going to happen as we start to go back to work in the buildings. Don't be the first person to put your cup under the faucet when you go back to work. <laughs> make sure that they've done some type of water testing prior to going back into that building. I love that. Um, it was the Adams family, yes. the, the bats, right? <laughs> no, no, it was it was a old house. Yeah. And I'm not gonna. It was. I can tell you, it was in the. Uh, it was in the northwest. It was an old house, and it was amazing. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, John, I want to be the first one to thank you. Check out forensicanalytical.com. Check out the resources. Check out the podcast and Sweet Process. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Process Breakdown Podcast. Before you go, quick question. Do you want a tool that makes it easy to document processes, procedures, and or policies for your company so that your employees have all the information they need to be successful at their job? If yes, sign up for a free 14-day trial of Sweet Process. No credit card is required to sign up. Go to sweetprocess.com, sweet like candy, and process like process.com. Go now to sweetprocess.com and sign up for your risk-free 14-day trial. Hi, this is Owen, the CEO and co-founder here at Sweet Process. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast interview, uh, actually, you know what I want you to do? Go ahead and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That way we get more people aware of the good stuff that you get here on this podcast. Again, go on to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Looking forward to reading your review. Have a good day. That's my